This is the Love Your Mom Life podcast, where we get real about getting out of your motherhood rut and creating a mom life you love. I'm your host, Nikki Odin, and I know a lot about what it's like to not love your mom life. Being a mom is hard, and being a mom with goals and dreams is even harder. Over the years, I've spent a whole lot of time on the hot mess express trying to harmonize motherhood with everything else I want out of life. But eventually, I figured it out, sort of. You can create a mom life you absolutely love. So come on, let's do this thing together. Before we dive in, this is my cute little reminder to please hit that subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, be sure to visit the blog at youridealmomlife.com for real life solutions to help you take back your time and love your mom life again. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Love Your Mom Life podcast. By now, you've heard my big, hairy, audacious announcement. And if you haven't, go back to the last episode to hear all about it because it is super exciting and I'm sure you're going to love it. Now, as I've mentioned, finishing this exciting new project is going to require my full attention. So as I start down the home stretch, I need to be laser focused. What that means for you is no new episodes during this short time frame. But don't worry, you know I came up with an awesome solution for all of you loyal listeners. We're having the ultimate re-listen party. I've gone back over the last three seasons of this podcast and determined the top three most popular episodes for each season. During this nine-week period, we'll be revisiting those episodes, and it tickles me pink to hear that you are just as excited as I am to listen to a second time and take away something brand new. Today, we're flashing back to the third most popular episode from 2021, which is when season two aired, The Happy Law Mom, a conversation with Carice Naife. Even if you're not a lawyer, you will love Carice's universal tips on how to get what you want at work. So enjoy revisiting what you loved about season two, episode 35, The Happy Law Mom. Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. She's a working mom after my own heart, and I can't wait for you to hear her story and her words of wisdom. Before we dive in, I wanted to make sure you've clicked on the subscribe or following button for this podcast. Also, if you're not already following me on Instagram, you can find me at Nikki Odin. And finally, this is my cute little reminder that you can show your support for this podcast and keep it ad-free by clicking on the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes. And with all that said, let's get to today's episode. Today's guest practiced law for 10 years at a top international law firm in Washington, D.C., during which time she became a mother of two. 
After experiencing firsthand the challenges of juggling a demanding legal practice with motherhood, she decided to carve her own legal practice path so that she could be present and happy as a mom and a lawyer. Now she helps other lawyer moms expand beyond limited perceptions of the possible to create personalized legal careers that deliver on work-life balance. She lives in Annapolis, Maryland with her husband and two young sons. Check out her website, happylawmom.com and connect with her on LinkedIn at Carice Nafi. I'm so excited she's here. Welcome to the show, Carice. Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so, so excited to share your story. Like I said earlier, you're a working mom after my own heart because I too am recovering from lawyer mom misery, having spent the bulk of my career working as a commercial litigator for a very prestigious and therefore demanding international law firm. And I, I wish I had known about you back then. So tell us how you went from being a miserable lawyer mom to the happy law mom. All right. So back when I had my first son, I very quickly realized I could not go back to the schedule, the pace, all the demands. It just wasn't compatible with the vision I had for motherhood, but I wanted to keep working. And so I had what I now call a workplace environment problem. It's one of the two most common problems that create career and happiness for Mm -hmm. working moms. And um, what that really means is that the schedule, um, you know, that I had just wasn't compatible with mom life and, you know, and how I wanted to, you know, be present with my kids. And so no one was really working part time at my firm at the time, but I was committed to trying to make it work. And I found a way. Um, I had a lot of conversations with um, people on my team, um, and I was, you know, I was also willing to be flexible. But right. um, I really, I made it work for um, about four years, and and it was it was amazing. I um, my I always say my the percentage of time that I was working went down, but my happiness levels rose dramatically. I'm and, sure. Uh, and so I really encourage like, that avenue. A lot of people just say, I've heard horror stories. I don't think it can work. I don't know how to make it work. There's a skill to making it work without, um, putting off your team. Um, you know, being, still being a team player, being a key, key member. Um, you know, a lot of people here, it's career suicide. And in my case, it was actually what allowed me to continue having a very fruitful career. Until I got to a place where I realized that I had a role mismatch. And that's the second career problem that uh, makes people, you know, tends to cause a lot of unhappiness for people. But before we get there, I just want to ask you really quickly can you tell us more about what those conversations were like when you decided about, you know, okay, the, what did you call it? <laughs> the first type of problem? The work environment problem. <laughs> yeah, the work environment problem. When you when you realize, okay, I have this problem and I think that the solution is to work part-time. How did you muster up the courage? What 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 did all that look like for you? Yeah. So um I had a lot of conversations. There was a there was someone at the firm who had a role of kind of a, it was a career development um person who kind of that was her role was sort of to to help associates with their career development. And we had a lot of conversations with her about what I wanted 
this to look like? And then I had conversations with my team, um, uh, you know, with the, the partners on my team, um, the council on my team, people who had, you know, had been my, my supervisors before I left about, you know, what that could look like. And, you know, we actually created an onboarding plan and then we created the new normal plan. Um, mm-hmm. So when I onboarded, it was very slow. It was very, um, you know, kind of gradual. And then I was able to step into after a period of transition, um, a little bit more time. And, um, and then, you know, we had to have as I was in litigation as well. And so as we all know that, you know, the, the yeah. workload changes based on what's happening in the case significantly. Right. And so there were times where I had to make the decision, do I want to, you know, do I want to take on this project and work, you know, if, if it means I'm working more, um, or do I want to, you know, do I want to take a back seat here? There were certain things I was willing to do and certain things I wasn't going, you know, to the other side of the country for six weeks when I had a baby was not something right. that I was Absolutely. willing to do. And so, you know, I took the role of all, I'll be, um, I'll hold down the fort and the DC office and, um, you know, I will, I will be supporting people. Um, so, you know, it all came from just a genuine desire and belief that I could make this work. I love and that. whenever I approached these conversations from that place, the conversations went well. <laughs> and so, and I also have to say, I, I had an amazing team and I love my team, but I've also helped other people do this when, you know, maybe the team members aren't as willing. Um, so it's, I've seen it happen. Uh, I've seen it work and it's, that's definitely one way. It's not the only way, but it's definitely one way to solve a lot of the unhappiness and stress that can occur when you try to combine um, a demanding legal role with motherhood. Yeah. And did you have those conversations after you gave birth and went on maternity leave? And so this was when you were coming back. Mm-hmm. I did. Advise yeah. that versus, okay, if you have this vision in your third trimester, have mm-hmm. those conversations at that point. What is what do yeah. you recommend? So in retrospect, I wish I would have had those conversations sooner. Um, I, you know, a lot. It's really hard to anticipate what's going to happen. Um, right totally. before, <laughs> especially with your first, especially with your first, and so I. You know, um, I think it, it would have been nice to have those conversations, um, you know, sooner just to get everyone on board. Um, but, you know, it worked out in my case just fine to do it, uh, you know, while I was on maternity leave um, before I came back. And um, and then, it, you know, it was it was not a, a one time thing. These were ongoing conversations. Um, we had an open dialogue. And and again, my. I mean, I went from anywhere to 60% to 90% to 100% and back to 70%. I mean, I was, it was a shifting fluid kind of thing that really depended on the nature of you know, what was happening at the time. So, um, you know, I think that's also part of it is I was willing to be flexible and they okay. were willing to be flexible too, um, to, you know, to really work with me. But it ended up being, you know, really a, a win-win. Uh, I was able to you know, continue on in that, in that role. Um, and again, just much happier than, than I would have been. And yeah, I I think, I think it served the team well as well. Well, I think when you say it's a win-win, that of course is the ultimate goal, right? Your employer doesn't want to lose you completely. So when that is part of the dialogue, like, 
hey, I'm willing to stay if we can make some of these things work. I, I That was kind of the situation I was in when I left. I I didn't want to leave them in the lurch and I could see that the partner I was working for was, he was, I mean, he was devastated to the point he didn't speak to me for my last two weeks. He was so angry and he was so like, he felt so cheated because he had invested in me for, you know, almost seven years. And I kind of sprung it on him. I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I, I just had reached the end of my rope in my lawyer mom misery. And I was like, I'm done. I'm leaving. This is I, being a mom and being a litigator are mutually exclusive. I choose motherhood. I, there's no way I can be the mom I want to be working here. And I think that if I could have been a little more flexible, perhaps we would have had some some better conversations. It would have eased. I could have eased out of it um, a little differently. Uh, I don't regret the way it went down, but I do say for for moms who want who are in this situation who want to do this, that's great advice that you're giving. And I, I I was sort of like take it or leave it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm willing to work like ten hours a week. Um, he's like, well, that's not going to work for me. I'm like, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, this is what I'm willing to do. Uh, versus being a little more collaborative, like like what you're saying. So it's amazing to hear that at a large international law firm like you were at, that that something like this could happen. And I think. That gives a lot of lawyer moms hope that they could do it too. Cause probably a lot would be like rolling their eyes, like my partner would never let me do that. But I guess, you know, you don't know until you ask and have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It has, you know, when we go and say, can I do this? It, it has a very different, um, that's received very differently than saying, look, I'm really willing to make this work. How can mm-hmm. we make this work? Right. Right. And, um, and I also think that. I mean, I've heard that a lot. I've heard like similar to your story. I've heard a lot of people who just go and go and go. They don't think they can ask for what they want. Right. And then they end up feeling like they have to leave. And sometimes they, I mean, I've, I've worked with people who have, you know, they've kind of jumped into another role and, and that role ended up being, you know, not as good as the first one, right? right? But they, but they, they weren't making that decision with clarity, with, you know, with kind of from a, like a calm place and um, grass is always greener, not, not being as helpful. Right. Whereas if you realize I have so much value to offer here and there is a way that we can make this a mutually beneficial arrangement um, and we can make it work, then let's do it. Right. And I do recognize there are some places that just don't want to collaborate. And then that means you know, you need to, you need to find another place. Yeah, that will. Absolutely. And there are more places, you know, the, these type of roles with flexibility built in, they're often not advertised. Um, I think things are changing after the pandemic. There is a more willingness now to have remote work and, and flexibility, but generally speaking, we're not seeing a whole lot of flexibility in the roles on job boards and, so that shuts a lot of people down and they think, well, I just can't, it's not available, but there are, there is a way to carve out your own role, your own path. Um, sometimes people are creating them. Um, oh, yeah, they are, they're going to organizations and they're creating them. They're, they're pitching and, um, and whenever you know your value and you know how to help an organization understand your value, and understand how you can help them solve a problem that they have, they're willing to work with you. 
right? When it's it's the right organization. You said two things there that I think are so important for our listeners to pick up on. And number one was ask for what you want. Ask for what you want. And Absolutely. that is something that is a confidence and you know, a skill set I didn't have at the time. I was um I mean, I wasn't that young. I was I was 31 when I when I left, but I didn't have that confidence and now, you know, having you know, lived a few more years and had a few more life experiences. I tell that to my kids. I tell that to everyone I coach. Always ask for what you want. What's the worst that can happen? They say no, and then you're no worse off than if you hadn't asked. But if they say yes, it's a whole other world of possibility. So always ask for what you want. And number two, knowing your value, right? When you know that you are valuable, you have, again, that confidence to 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 come to them and to present this to them as a solution, as something that's going to benefit them versus like, can you please not fire me? Can I please do this? You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a very, it's received differently as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think that women are conditioned to not ask for what they want. And so we go into the job, you know, the marketplace. We go into the world of commerce and that's the name of the game. Yeah. You need to know what you want and know that you can, you can get it and, Absolutely. Um, and like learn how to create it, right? Be nimble and come up with solutions. And that is where real happiness is, right? Like that's when you can get what you really want then you're in a role that feels great. You're on, you know, in an environment that that you love. Like that's really where people are are thriving and flourishing in their careers. So speaking of roles, you said that was the second kind of unhappiness, and I interrupted yeah. you, but I, I wanted yeah, to hear more about your story. So t- tell us more about that part. So a role mismatch is where the skills that are required for your role are skills that you don't enjoy using and the skills that you do enjoy using are not required for your role or not in the amount that you'd like to be using. So when this comes up and you realize that where you really want to grow is not actually where your current role is taking you then you have a role mismatch and that can create a lot of unhappiness. Yes, absolutely. I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And it also, it affects your productivity because when you are not engaged using the skills you love to use, the workday can be very long (laughs) (laughs) and it, it, you can lose your focus. You can get distracted. You can be actually spinning in this spin cycle of, is this what I should be doing? Should I be going somewhere else? Should I be doing something else? You know, that's, should I stay or should I go question can actually take up a lot of mental space in your mind. And that prevents you from being fully engaged, fully turned on by work and what you're doing, you know, in your day. Yeah. I think that's, I think most people, I've never heard it described that way, but it makes a lot of sense. And I think when people talk about you know, when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's what they mean. You're using skills that you enjoy using and that's why you're happy doing what you're doing versus like, you know, I honestly felt like that a lot with with lawyering. I'm like, I'm good at this, but I don't like it. I don't like doing this. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's why I'm not happy. Yeah. I don't even think part-time I would have been happy doing that. Yeah. Well, so that's what happened to me when I progressed and I got to be 
more of a senior associate. And I was looking at the path before me, especially in litigation. And I was realizing, you know, the skills I've been using up until now, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the research. I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed thinking about problems deeply. I I enjoyed mentoring as well. And that was another thing that I really liked in my job. But as I got more senior and it became clear, like I'm going to be, you know, having more confrontation with people in the courtroom, things like that. That was not the skill set that I really wanted to be using at all. So I realized as my role was changing, it wasn't going to be a good fit anymore. And the skill that I really enjoyed the most was mentoring junior associates or summer associates. Mm -hmm. And I was also advising people on their careers. I was, I, I loved doing all kinds of assessments with my friends and personality tests and all kinds of things like that, where I was, I was just having fun reading about helping people in their careers. And I was doing it in my spare time. And I just realized, you know what? This is actually what I want to be doing. I want to mm. be helping people in their careers. I want to be advising them and I want to watch them grow. Yeah. And I especially loved watching, you know, the, the female junior associates helping them to navigate the system that I had navigated. And, and that is how I decided it's actually time for a change. And that's when I started doing coaching full time. That's awesome. And so that's how you came to be the happy law mom. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Like you said before, you can create what you want to experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some people that I work with, they want to continue being lawyers, but maybe they're not in the right, you know, workplace environment and they just need that they've got a good role, um, that the role fits, but they need a new, a new workplace environment, a new mm-hmm. schedule and flexibility, something else built into that. And then some people, they, they like the law, but maybe they're in the wrong role within the law. Right. And then some people just want to uh, change altogether and they want to, you know, they want to start over and do something completely different. So we work on, on all of it. It's all, it all boils down to figuring out what you really want to do and what you really love. And then essentially reverse engineering that outcome. I love that reverse engineering it. That's exactly that's exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. And that's what people do, right? And it doesn't it doesn't always feel that way. I think for a lot of people they look at other people like, well, they just got lucky or they kind of stumbled into that. But no, you can be intentional. What do you actually really want? And I, when I'm coaching moms, that that's where we always start. What do you want? Because if you don't know what you want, then what does it matter how you spend your days or where you work or what you do with your time if you don't know what you want? But you do want something. You just haven't paused long enough to really give yourself that attention to figure out what is it I want to do because there is something that you want to do. And then to have someone like you to coach people through, okay, this is the end point. What do we need to do to get there? I think that's so powerful. Hey there, Supermom. Do you ever wish someone would come out with a step-by-step system on how to keep your shiitake together? Yeah, so have we. So at Your Ideal Mom Life, we came up with one ourselves. It's called Mom with Confidence, the keep it together system specifically for super moms like us. And you can grab yours right now for $29 at youridealmomlife.com slash confidence. In two PDFs that you can download right now, 
you get a complete system that teaches you how to be better at balancing time with your kids and time for yourself, how to have more patience and less mom guilt, how to complete your to-do list each day, make time to exercise, create time to enjoy your family, and how to answer that dreaded question all moms hate, what's for dinner? This proven system will help you stay on track and get a handle on all the things. That means less mom guilt, more patience, and more joy. So if you've ever stood in front of the fridge minutes before you're supposed to feed your family dinner and berated yourself for not having groceries, if you're looking at other moms like, girl, how do you have it all together while I'm over here on the hot mess express? If you want to stop feeling spread thin and start getting time for yourself without the mom guilt, head on over to youridealmomlife.com slash momwithconfidence and purchase yours today for just $29. So when people say like, okay, I like, I like being, for example, a lawyer, but I don't like what I'm doing now. Is that sort of like I, I, instead of being a litigator, I would rather be doing like mergers and acquisitions, or I'd rather be doing real estate transactions. Is it it like that? Or is it something like they stay within the niche they've been in and somehow find something new? Because I, as a former lawyer, I'm trying to think about how, how that would work. Yeah. So it really depends on each individual, right? And um, people have very different roles. Um, and it, for example, um, I was recently working with a client uh, who is in-house and part half of her job she loved and the other half she hated. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to work part-time anyway. And so she was able to work out an arrangement with her company where the part of the job that she hated she just didn't do that anymore. And she just worked part-time. She worked 20 hours a week doing only the things that she really loved to do. So in that case, it's a matter of just offloading the things that she didn't want. And she's also taking a 50% pay cut, right? So the, right. Um, it's, Fair. it's proportional and yeah. And so the company is enabled able to allocate those resources to, um, you know, to, to getting those tasks taken care of by someone else. So, you know, that's one example. Um, some people go into, um, you know, if they're, if they're in a litigation type role, um, you know, they will focus on certain aspects of the litigation, right? Some people like to be kind of, you know, the backroom attorney who's yeah, me, that's you know, me. doing all the researching and yeah. <laughs> right. I'll and write the people, motion. You go argue it. Right. And other people like to be, you know, first chair. And so, um, so sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, finding the right fit. There can be great partnerships of, you know, courtroom litigators then who love that and they don't actually like the back work, uh, the backroom stuff as much. So it, it's, um, it just very variable. Right. Um, but a lot of people, you know, will make the transition from litigation to more of a transactional type practice. Um, and you know, again, it, it's a matter of building their skills, um, and, getting experience. Um, but I, you know, it's, it really depends on, on the person, but anything is possible. And Mm -hmm. if there is a gap between where you are and where you want to be, the way to fill that gap is with skill. And so it's just about building the skills that you need. And if you really need, if you really want something, 
it is possible for you, right? Like I, I totally don't agree. aspire to be an Olympic swimmer because like, that's just not my skill set. That's, <laughs> not, that's not my desire. I have no interest in that whatsoever, right? Um, and so, you know, some people worry, well, if I really want to do it, I won't be able to. And what I found is now, if you really want to do that, you have the ability and maybe it's just some some things you need to learn to fill the gap but it's always there. You always have that ability to do the thing you really want to do. I love that. And I totally agree. And that applies across the board to everything in our lives. If you really want to do something, you you can do it. And yeah, to fill that gap, it's like, what do I need to learn? What do I need to improve upon? What things do I need to stop doing or start doing? And such a great tactical way to look at how do I get from where I am today to where I want to be? That is such great advice. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, it's also just a series of decisions. We Mm -hmm. think that it's this, you know, it's this huge impossible task, but really every result we get is a series of decisions that we make. Um, Some are big, some are small, and it's just one step after the other. And and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Our brains like to make it feel really complicated. Yeah, sure. Yeah, (laughs) I know that. Trust me. But you're right. It's like, how, you know, that old adage, how do you eat an elephant one pound at a time, right? One bite at a time. Uh, and it's just, I always say that, like any goal, you start small, you worry about the first step and the next step will reveal itself. You don't need to know what step 15 is to take step number one. And that's true with everything. Yeah. So there's a huge focus on self-care these days. And one of the things I've learned both from experience and from speaking to experts who have been on this show is that Self-care is not one size fits all. So I love that you say bubble baths don't fix lawyer mom stress. And it's so true. So how do you go about figuring out how to help a lawyer mom diffuse stress? And are there any tips that sort of apply across the board? Okay. Yeah. I love that question. And one of the things that I highly recommend is making sure there is time for leisure in in the life of everyone in the family. Mm -hmm. And that includes mom. Right. And leisure time could be deep, deep relaxation, which, you know, I could, I, I don't have anything against bubble baths, but when that's the only advice taken, right. <laughs> the no, only I get it. Given, it, it's not enough. Right. Um, and, um, but deep play is a concept developed from anthropology. And that means that you are really actively engaged in something that is just completely fun, that is separate from your role as a lawyer and as a mother, and you're doing it just for you. And that's a component of self-care that I think is missing for a lot of women. They think that, well, you know, every spare minute of my time is either going to work or to kids, and that's just the way it, it should be. And I advocate for leisure time equality where everyone in the household is getting this time, just like everyone in the household eats. Like it really is that important. And it's something that we need to sustain us. It gives us energy. It changes our brain chemistry where we, you know, we have, we're flooded with feel good uh, neurotransmitters and hormones and all of the stress hormones are burned away. Like it's actually really good for us. And we can't um, continue thinking of it as something we can just get by without. And that is actually the fuel that we need to keep us going for the rest of the week, right? If you think about a fuel tank, 
Absolutely. Um, you don't expect to get a, a car to go without, without fuel. And yet we're expecting ourselves to do that. So, so that, um, that more active leisure time is, is I think something that's missing, um, for a, a lot of moms. Um, it can be anything from, you know, um, creative, you know, hobbies, gardening, right. games, sports, anything, but something that is just for them, uh, completely apart from their role at work and uh, being a mom. Yeah, I totally agree. I play tennis. That's my my deep That's play. Right. Yeah. My yeah. my leisure time. What do you do? Mm-hmm. I ride my bike. I'm. Um, this is actually when I first had kids. So obviously, when I was pregnant, I didn't ride my bike. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, my first was born. I never got back on the bike. My second was born, and I gave the bike away. I just realized like, I'm never going to ride my bike again. It's not not happening. And then a couple of years ago, I, I realized like I need leisure time equality in my house. Like I have, I am entitled to have leisure time to have fun um, as much as anyone else's. And I went to the bike shop and I bought a bike and now I ride it almost every day. And um, now, you know, my family knows like, yep. Yes, mom needs her time. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to go on the bike. I I come back feeling so much better, feeling happier, and with more patience. Yeah. Yes, right. That and that's what I always tell when I'm coaching moms. That time away is going to make the time you're together so much more impactful and fun and beautiful. You're not going to be so stressed out. You're not going to be so short on patience, so ready to snap and yell. It, you need it. I love that you call it leisure time equality. That's awesome. That's a great way to put it. Just as important yeah, as eating. It is. So are there any other tips that you have for, for moms who are dealing with this sort of like, I don't know if I have a role-based mismatch or I should go part-time and I'm stressed out, I'm miserable? Yeah. Um. So... I guess I would say if you are miserable, something is going wrong. Like we are not made for misery. Agree. And so we can use that as a way to guide, you know, a change. Um, and looking, the other thing I would say is look first at what you want, Mm -hmm. right. And then look at finding out how to create that versus going to the world and saying, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, right. There's when you have that doubt, when you're going to people, even, you know, even conversations with spouses, a lot of women kind of get shut down because they'll say, well, I think I might want to do this. Yes. And it's then, so true. That is true. And then their spouse will say, yeah, the status quo is working. Okay. <laughs> right? Right. Well, that's a fear, um, right? That's a fear-based statement. And yeah. that's definitely that I forgot. That's a valid thing that sometimes your own spouse might discourage you. Yeah. So how do you navigate that? Right. And, you know, and what I see a lot is women who were feeling like they were doing just fine in their careers before kids, after kids, it feels like every decision that they make, like the entire family is dependent on everything that they make and they no longer feel free to make a decision that feels good to them. Mm-hmm. And what I find is actually what's good for mom is good for everyone. Yeah. And so, so true. We're really like, it's okay to, <laughs> to follow your bliss, right? Because that's going to end up putting the family in a really good place. I think most moms are not 
wanting to, you know, drive their family off a cliff. Um, no, yeah, know, that's of not, not where that's not where we go. We we just want to find something that works, um, that's sustainable. And if it's sustainable for us, that means we're gonna be happier and our families are gonna be happier too. So um it's you know trusting yourself that um this actually is good for everyone. I always say that a mom is the center of her household. And so when she is feeling fulfilled and happy, joyful, patient, that's going to spill over into everything she does, into every relationship in the household, and it's just going to completely change the dynamic. And so I love working with women who work with moms because you change the world by changing, you know, one mom at a time, honestly. I love yeah. that that you that you just said that. It's it's totally true. Happy wife, happy life, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I say I have something similar where I say that the mom is um, the CEO of the household mm-hmm. and you want your the psychology of the leader affects the psychology of the entire organization. Yes. We know that um, in companies and the same thing is true in our families. That's so um, true. And, you know, you can be um, you can have co-leadership with, you know, with mom and dad together um, and you know, they both need to feel like, yeah, they're, um, they are making decisions that are good for everyone and, um, you know, and also take care of themselves at the same time. So do you coach women on those conversations with their spouses? If the initial reaction of their spouse is, I don't think you should do that. That's too, like, that's too scary for us. Like, what if, what if, what if, right? The what if monster. Yeah. You know, we coach on anything that is getting in the way of them getting what they want. We, we coach on everything. I mean, we, we coach on meal planning. We coach on, mm-hmm. there is nothing too big or small, but yes, the conversations with spouses are important. And you know, what I, what I find is whenever, you know, there are certain ways to have these conversations that are more effective than others. Certainly. And it has to involve an alignment with you being very clear about what you want and you feeling very certain. And then the words that you are choosing to speak in that conversation that will reflect that certainty and also that, um, that acknowledgement. Yeah. I'm taking everyone into account here. Right. And, and hearing, hearing the concerns, coming up with a plan to address the concerns and, you know, really treating it like a team effort. Right. Right. Um, we, it's the same thing on, on work projects. Everyone has the same goal and there can be different approaches that are proposed. And, um, you know, when everyone is heard and every, everyone's input is considered and there's a plan made to address all the concerns, then that's when the team can all be on board and, you know, move forward with unity to getting that result. Yeah. That's so important. So how do people work with you? How do they get started with you? If they're, they're like, yes, I need this. So they can just book a call, a discovery call uh, on my website. And it's really a diagnosis of what is actually happening in that person's specific life and career. Um, you know, what skills are perhaps missing? Um, and, you know, what are the struggles and obstacles specific to them, which have to be identified before you can really move beyond the struggles and figure out a plan for dissolving those struggles. So, um, you know, we have a call and 
diagnose and see, you know, what's going on and see whether my program is, is the right solution to, you know, to helping overcome those particular challenges. Um, and then, and then we, you know, we, we go from there. I love that there's a diagnosis. Like how many <laughs> of us listening are like, yes, I think I need somebody to diagnose me. Honestly, like sometimes you're so close to it, you know, like you, you can't see the forest for the trees, whatever that, I don't know if I said that backwards, but you're so close to it. You you don't even know where to begin. You don't know that there are some patterns here or that there the things that you're complaining about are just telltale. Oh, this is probably what the issue is and, and the root cause. And this is where we need to start. So I love that you diagnose it. That's great. Yeah. And that's really what people need to know, regardless um, of what they do next. They need to give a name to the issues that they're having. And when they know that it has a name and it actually has a solution as well, there's such relief. I mean, I've struggled, you know, with health problems where I didn't know what I didn't know what it was. I knew there was something wrong. And I went from doctor to doctor to doctor to try to figure it out. And when someone finally gave me that diagnosis, it changed my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so it's really, it's similar here with, with career when you can get a diagnosis of, of what's actually happening and a, and, you know, find out, okay, what needs to happen to solve it. It brings tremendous relief. I would imagine. Yeah. That's the the, the perfect word for it. Relief. And also I think sometimes people, especially women can feel like, am I crazy? Like I should be grateful. I should be so mm-hmm. grateful because I'm employed and I, you know, I'm, I have healthy kids and you know, all the things, right. We, we sort of berate ourselves and guilt ourselves in, in, into shying away from asking for more and they're not crazy. So, you know, like get on your discovery call. If that's you, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I really feel like that's me. Get on the, the discovery call, go on Carice's website and find out your diagnosis and see what what the next steps are. Because if that desire is in your heart, if you have a desire for change or for something more, you've got to honor it. You have to go with your intuition, love yourself enough to give yourself that attention and really try to figure out, how do I get what I want? It's not selfish. It's not evil. There's nothing wrong with that. And listen, a happy mom means a happy family. So you owe it to the rest of your family to be living your best mom life. I love that. And I'm so glad you said that because that is a very common complaint uh, of, you know, or of a common concern among, um, among so many women, they, they realize they have more than so many people. And so they, they feel like, you know, that like they're being ungrateful if they want more. And what I would say to that is a rising tide lifts all ships Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can get what you really want, you are in a place to be able to help people so much more. And, um, and that's really how to affect true change and to live our purpose, um, in this life is to, um, you know, inspire others, help others, um, by, by really following that desire. I love that. Amen. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I love all your insight. I think that it's just such a gift to the world that you're doing this. And like I said, I I wish that you had been around when I was a miserable lawyer mom. But I think it's 
amazing that our paths crossed and I was able to bring you onto the show. I I love sharing your story. And I know that there are so many moms out there who are going to benefit from hearing it. Thank you so much. It was so much fun to talk with you, Nikki, and I really appreciate it. Well, that wraps up our conversation with Carice Nafee. I know you took a ton of value from it, even if you're not a lawyer, because all of the things she said can apply to any working mom. Be sure to check out her website and book that intro call if you're interested. And we'll see you next time on the Love Your Mom Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you took something of value from it. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone you love. And it would mean the world if you would leave a rating or a review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Your Ideal Mom Life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I can't wait to be with you in the next episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast.